Hi there, welcome to one more episode of the Allplane Podcast, where aviation innovators and entrepreneurs share the coolest projects they are working on. First of all, the usual reminder that you can find all the previous episodes of this podcast, as well as many other interesting aviation stories, on our website, allplane.tv. That's A L P L A N E dot TV. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter as well, bi weekly newsletter. And now let me introduce you our guest today, Carmen Murer. She is the communications director of Sinhelion. You might not have heard about Sinhelion just yet, but this Swiss startup is working on a cutting-edge technology that really sounds like magic. Imagine you could make sustainable aviation fuel out of sunlight and water. Well, it's a bit more complex than that, but stripped to the very basics, this is essentially the basis of Sinhelion's technology. So, quite understandably, this has drawn the attention of major energy suppliers such as ENI, ENI of Italy, but also other major players in the aviation industry such as Lufthansa Group and Zurich Airport. Too good to be true? Well, let's listen to the story of Sinhelion and its promising technology directly from Carmen. Hello, Carmen. How are you? Hi, Mikkel. Thank you very much for having me. It's nice to be here. Thank you very much as well for replying so fast to my invitation to participate in the podcast. I normally don't do it with such a short notice, but the other day I was doing some research in the field of sustainable aviation fuels and I came across Synhelion, the, the company that you work for and that we're going to be uh, talking about now. And I was really, really fascinated by the way you present your technology. I, I found it really very futuristic sounding uh, because you are in the business of making solar fuel. So you are creating sustainable aviation fuel from the energy of the sun, basically. I think it's very interesting if, uh, you know, you could share some insights about how this technology works with our audience. Yes, thank you. Um, I'm very happy to do that. Many people say that our technology sounds a bit crazy at first sight um, because you could actually say that we turn air and sunlight into fuel. So that sounds a bit like magic. Um, but when you look at it, it's actually quite logical because when you burn a fuel, CO2 is released and we just take that CO2 and turn it back into fuel. So you could also say that we try to reverse combustion. Yeah, and one of the main applications of this is, and one of the main areas where you're focusing your efforts is actually in aviation. And that's why I think it's very interesting to, to have you here on this, on this podcast, which is mainly about aviation. You are basically a spin-off of ETH Zurich. It's a, a university, a research institute. What, what is it exactly? Yes, ETH Zurich uh, stands for the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. Um, and it's a very renowned university in, in Switzerland that develops a huge amount of, of technologies. And that's also where, uh, where we come from. Um, we are a spin-off from, from ETH Zurich. We were founded in 2016. And the, the basis from our technology comes from the research that has been done at ETH Zurich. Mm -hmm. You were incorporated in 2016, but I think the technology itself has been developed already from an earlier time, right? Because in 2000, I've seen in your website, 2014, you already managed to 
to create some fuel using this uh, small scale version of, of this technology. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Um, this idea of turning CO2 into fuel, that's actually not that new. It already arose sometime in the 80s. Um, it sounds very easy, of course, to just reverse combustion. Um, but afterwards, if you get to the nitty gritty, it's, it's actually not that simple. So decades of research went into this. And then in 2014, we had a big breakthrough at ETH Zurich and we managed to produce the, the world's first fuel from CO2 and water in the lab. So that was uh, one, of, one of the big milestones uh, in the past. And then afterwards, Synhelion was, was founded to bring this technology to the market. You've attracted the interest of, of some major players, both in the oil industry and aviation industry as well. And that's actually the thing that got my attention as a someone that covers the aviation industry is that you have uh, as partners uh, no less than Lufthansa Group and Zurich Airport, as well as Italian oil company Eni. What can you tell us about this link with industry? Yes, the link with industry is, is very important in the scaling up of our technology. So um, we have been in a collaboration with Italian oil and gas company, as you said, ENI, uh, since 2017. Um, and they are supporting us in the development of our reactors. So the reactors that actually turn CO2 and water into fuel. Um, and then we, we also have partnerships with, with our future end customers, you could say. Um, so for example, Lufthansa Group, we, we entered a partnership with them last year um, and there the, the main focus of this partnership is to make sustainable aviation fuels um, available on the market and to bring them to the market as quickly as possible. Because of course the, uh, the aviation industry needs to reduce its carbon footprint. And it is, I would say, widely agreed that sustainable aviation fuels is the, is the best, the quickest and the most realistic way to really quickly reduce, reduce CO2 emissions in, in the aviation industry. Um, so yes, we are in, um, in a collaboration with Lufthansa and its airlines, Swiss, um, um, Edelweiss, etc. Um, and then on the other hand, we, we also started a partnership last year with Zurich Airport. Um, Zurich Airport actually wants to buy all the fuels that our first demo plant will produce at cost price. Um, so that was another great success for us. And it just shows that the industry is really interested in our product and they are just waiting for it to be available. Sounds great. So you already have kind of sold your, your product beforehand. Right. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, um, yeah Zurich Airport um, wants to support us um, because they, they want to reduce their carbon footprint and they see as well that sustainable aviation fuels uh, is, is one of the key solutions. And that's why they, they want to even take a role in the development of these fuels and not just wait until uh, we have them on the market, but already support us before that on, on the path to the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to go back to the, uh, let's say, financial economic aspects of it later on. But first of mm -hmm. all, I would like to go deeper into the te technology itself. 
because it sounds like magic. How does it really work in practice? Basically, what you're doing is you are taking carbon that is already in the atmosphere and you are converting it into fuel. There is some type of carbon capture process. Or what can you tell us about the whole the whole thing? How the how the whole process works? Yes, that's right. So the end vision is to take CO2 out of the air and then turn it into fuel. And with that, you can close the carbon cycle because when you burn this fuel that you produce from CO2 that was taken from the air, uh, you actually fly net zero. You, your net carbon footprint is, is zero um, because this fuel only releases as, as much CO2 when it's burned as it consumed when you when you produced it you're recycling you're, you're recycling the carbon pretty much so, yes well. we are basically re recycling co2 that's right mm -hmm. um, so to go a bit more into detail how this works we work with concentrated solar heat this means that we have a solar tower which is surrounded by a mirror field and these mirrors they focus the sunlight onto the top of the tower and there at the top of the tower, we have our technology. So what the first part of our technology is a solar receiver that generates high temperature process heat. So that's a 100% carbon neutral way to generate process heat just from, from solar uh, radiation. And then this process heat is fed to our reactor. And this reactor turns CO2 and water into synthesis gas. And synthesis gas is a precursor to fuels. So you can, um, you can turn the synthesis gas into any type of fuel afterwards with standard ref refinery processes. So you can produce jet fuel, but you could also produce diesel or, or gasoline. Okay, so to summarize, if I understood correctly, you take the, the energy from the sun, you concentrate it in one point to generate a lot of heat, then you from uh, another side, you take carbon. Where do you take this carbon? From the air or from what source? Yeah, so our end vision is to take it from the air, but that's not we who do it. Uh, there's another spin-off from ETH Zurich that specializes in carbon capture, Climeworks. Maybe you've heard of them before, but there are also other players in the market by now. Um, but then there are also other sources of CO2 we could use at the beginning. Uh, for example, cement manufacturing, uh, they have a lot of CO2 emissions that they can't stop um, because they, they just come out of the stone when you produce cement. Um, and that would be another uh, source where we could take CO2 from and recycle it to produce fuel with it. Yeah, actually, I've seen on your website, you have mentioned a, a very important cement company called Semex as one of your partners as well. Yes, that's right. Uh, with Semex, we are we are developing a technology that goes slightly in a in a different direction, um, because there we are looking to use our high temperature solar process heat to drive the whole cement manufacturing plant. So um, that that's not directly linked to fuels. That has something to do with with our technology, uh, where we can produce high temperature process heat. But of course, they are also, uh, or they could be an important source of CO2 for us in the future to produce fuels. So mm -hmm. we have this, uh, like, two ways how, how we could collaborate in the future. Mm -hmm. So 
um, then back to the process, you have solar energy coming one side, concentrated, creating heat. Then you, you feed this carbon, this CO2 and water. And there is some type of, of chemical reaction, I guess, that produces mm -hmm. this synthetic gas. And then the synthetic gas needs to be converted into liquid fuel that aircraft can take. Yes, that's right. Um, and the important thing to mention is also that this, this technology already exists. So turning synthesis gas into jet fuel or gasoline or diesel, that's, that's an established technology. So we're not developing that. The tricky part um, is really how you can create synthesis gas in a sustainable way. So that's our expertise and that's, uh, that's the solution we offer. Sounds very good all, all together, but what are, the, what are the challenges then? I mean, is it a problem of the cost? Is it the problem of the scale that this technology works at? What are the main obstacles you're finding to turn this into a mainstream thing? Okay, so um, of course it all sounds very simple, but in the end it's not that simple. Um, so as you said earlier in, in 2014, it, we produced world's first fuel in the lab and then in 2019 we took it a big step further and we produced the world's first um, solar solar fuel um, on the real field conditions so we could really demonstrate the whole process chain from capturing co2 from the air uh, heating it up with sunlight and turning it into fuel but that was that was um, just just a small uh, plant that we had in 2019 it's located on the rooftop of, of ETH Zurich and it produces about one deciliter of fuel per day. So that was an important step in our development and now we're scaling the technology up in, in order to, to build big industrial scale plants. And that's, that's the step where, where we are currently working on. Um, we are scaling up our technology, we're scaling up the individual parts uh, of our technology in order to produce fuels. And the next step will now be to, to build our first industrial scale demo plant, which we want to achieve by 2023. And then after that, we want to build our first industrial scale plants um, that will produce fuels that we can um, sell to our customers. You're building these plants in Switzerland or where? Um, so of course it's very important to have good solar resources. Now for the first demo plant we will probably build it in, in Switzerland or in Germany where the solar resources are not ideal but um, the knowledge and we have in, in this in this region is, is ideal in order to build this, this plant very quickly. And then after that, by 2025, we want to build our first two commercial plants. And these commercial plants will be located in, in sunnier regions. So probably south of Spain, for example, that would already be a very good solar resources um, mm -hmm. spot. What are your expectations in terms of the reach and scope of this technology? I guess if uh, this works out as expected, it could be really huge. I mean, it's, it's a very, very big market. But what about the cost? Uh, you obviously, you have an agreement with Zurich Airport to supply the airport with this. 
what what are the financials of this? I mean, uh, it's known that biofuels normally are more expensive than regular kerosene and uh, jet fuel. Is it the same case here as well, or are there other factors that might bring costs down if that was obviously the obstacle? Um, yes, there, there are a lot of factors that can bring costs down. So you are right, our fuels will be a bit more expensive than fossil fuels in the beginning. They're going to be more expensive by what factor? Are there any figures for that? Um, that could be about twofold, uh-huh. um, but that's, that still remains to be seen how, how much more expensive they are actually going to be. Um, there's also politically a lot of movement going on at the moment with CO2 taxes, um, more and more countries commit to net zero. Yeah, there's, there's really a lot of movement uh, in, in this field at the moment. Um, but nevertheless, for us, fossil fuels are the benchmark because we believe that we can only make a big impact and not stay a niche product if we can be competitive with fossil fuels in the future. So this is, this is really our goal, to bring costs down. And of course, um, we have to build large plants. So um, when, when you build large plants, you can also drive costs down more, more effectively. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, the fuels will be more, will be more expensive um, uh, than fossil fuels, but over time, we want to, we want to reduce costs. Um, and the potential of, of this technology is, is really huge because uh, in theory, you would have enough available land worldwide to produce several times the fuel demand that the world has. And also to like for the aviation industry, the aviation industry consumes at the moment, well, before the coronavirus, about 300 million tons of fuel. And with our technology, we could produce about 50 times as much and this means that even single countries could cover global jet fuel demand Um, countries like the united states like saudi arabia australia or argentina alone they could uh, produce enough fuels to to cover the whole aviation industry and the fuel the output that fuel that you're producing does it have limitations when it comes to their its use so it doesn't need to be blended in a specific percentage. What can you tell us about this? Yes, at the moment, you're only allowed to fuel up a plane with 50% sustainable aviation fuel and 50% uh, still needs to be conventional fossil fuel. That's just for certification reasons, I assume. But this is also expected to change over time. Mm-hmm. Yes, actually, yeah, there were some news that companies like like Boeing, Rolls-Royce, etc. were looking into this 100% biofuel yes. proportion yeah, that's right. in the near term, well, near to medium term. But, but yeah, definitely, I think we're going to see movement in this direction. What about this, the plant? Does it require a, a, a very large investment to have one of these plants? Does it need to be a, a very big space? Or is something that can be deployed at, at many different locations relatively easily? Um, so yes, these plants are typically quite large. So we're talking about several square kilometers for for a plant that that is a um, yeah a really large plant. And is it also... because of the is it because of the mirrors? Because you need to have all these solar solar mirrors uh, harvesting the the sunlight and 
projecting it into a specific point. Yeah, so you need uh, you need definitely uh, some some space for for these mirrors, and then also if you build larger plants, and then you also have the fuel synthesis right next to it. Um, that's that's another factor to drive down costs. So it doesn't make sense to build uh, a lot of small plants all over the place, but to have uh, larger facilities in in one place together. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, this technology does required does require a com considerable amount of land, um, but it is typically desert land. So it's not arable land, and we're not competing with 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 agriculture, which is an, an imp very important point, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in your website, you also mentioned that you are working on a project. I don't know if it's uh, a derivative of this project or is a, a different technology you are developing in parallel to produce hydrogen as well. Yes, um, with, with the more or less the same setup, you could also produce hydrogen. Um, because we have this high temperature process heat and the reactors and in, in these reactors you can have different uh, different ingredients going into it and have different reactions driven with the solar heat. Um, so that's why we can actually produce a range of, of, of fuels such as diesel, kerosene, gasoline, methanol, methane uh, or, or also hydrogen. That would also be an option. Mm -hmm. uh, do you need to add methane to the to the mix, or it's only uh, CO two and water? Because I remember having read on your website somewhere that you also using methane to create that. Yes, that's right. That's actually an intermediary step we want to take, just because this technology to turn only CO two and water into fuel is still a bit more complicated uh, and it has more innovation behind it than turning CO2, water and methane into fuel. Uh, that's based on already industrialized reforming technology. So that's why we want to start with, with this technology first, where we also have, have a part of methane uh, in, in the ingredients at, at the beginning. Um, and with this, we can we can produce fuels that are partially partially renewable and and still have a small small amount or, or a small fraction of fossil components. Unless you could, of course, for, for methane, you could also take um, biogas, for example, and then it would be fully renewable again if the biogas is uh, is produced um, in a renewable way. So 2023 is when you said the experimental plant is expected to come into service or, or to, to be built? So, to come into service, uh -huh. yes. What was the next milestone? Creating a, an industrial scale facility that was... Yes, actually two, two facilities that we want to build by 2025. 2025, okay, yeah. Yes, and then afterwards we want to scale it up further to to build more and larger plants, and then by 2030 we want to produce as much fuel that we could cover about half of Switzerland's jet fuel demand. So if you uh, look at it globally, you could say, well, that's not still not much, but if you look at it for for a single country, that could already 
cut CO2 emissions from the aviation uh, industry by 50 percent mm -hmm. and then um, by 2040 we want to reach a capacity of about 40 million tons of fuel per year and that would equal to about half of Europe's jet fuel demand so we do believe that we can actually uh, make a difference and really cut CO2 emissions effectively in the aviation industry. Mm -hmm. We're talking big numbers here and I guess there's a lot of investment expected to go into this. Um, how are you funded? Are you a startup with private investors? Uh, do you have venture capital? You expect to fund this expansion through industrial partners like the ones we've mentioned before? What's the plan? Uh, yeah, so up until now we have private investors. We've already raised about 16 million uh, Swiss francs today. That's more or less 16, the same in euros. 16, huh? One six. 16, yes. Uh -huh. um, and now we're actually right in the middle of our next investment round um, to, to finance this plan that we want to build by 2030, uh, by 2023, sorry. Mm -hmm. Our first demo plant, the large scale one. Very good, sounds very, very interesting. So, yeah, I, I really hope that, uh, you know, these technologies can, can become a reality really soon. Is in, this, in this regard, in the, on the commercial side, are you expecting airlines to become more active in the biofuel scene? What is your view on, in, in terms of where the market is going? Uh, we think countries like Norway are going to start to make mandatory to have a certain amount of biofuels, etc. Uh, do you see the rest of the of the countries following in this direction? Yes, I think politics is going in this direction. For example, if you, you look at the EU with the Green Deal, uh, they want to reduce their emissions from transportation uh, by 90% by 2050. Um, and the EU is actually also drafting legislation at the moment um, for, for sustainable aviation fuels. They, they want to uh, promote them and help sustainable aviation fuels get more, uh, yeah, to, to ramp up their production and to, to be more available and to actually also create a, a mar market with, with many different players who can provide sustainable aviation fuels. Um, and we see that the interest from, from the industry is, is really big. So not just uh, not just from airlines and airports, but general in, in general from from the whole aviation industry and also from from political side, um, because everybody's desperately looking for solutions at the moment. So, Carmen, uh, tell me something. At a time when there are other startups, other researchers working on things like batteries for electric aircraft um, there's been a lot of talk about hydrogen as well um, what would be your pitch uh, when uh, people ask you why invest in in biofuels when there are you know all these other projects working now on on alternative completely different types of propulsion well um, the energy density of of liquid hydrocarbon fuels like jet fuel is just extremely high and it's almost unbeatable you could say well um, if you if you take an example, um, jet fuel has a 100 times higher energy density um, than the best state-of-the-art batteries uh, that are available at the moment, like the Tesla S battery. Of course, 
batteries will will uh, improve over time um but uh, at the moment uh there there is no no real solution to that problem if you want to do a long distance flight and you want to do it uh with with an electric propulsion um the, the battery is so large and heavy uh that the, the plane could not even take off so that's why we we take a different approach and our goal is to replace fossil fuels with clean synthetic fuels um so we can use the same infrastructure that we've already built up and just uh, replace fossil fuels with with cleaner fuels sorry just one note for the audience when you talk about density is the amount of energy that is packed in a specific unit of uh, of, of weight how you measure that it, it actually counts for energy per mass and energy per volume um, i i don't know the, the exact exact numbers for for both of these but it's many times higher the energy density in both cases of of liquid fuels than than of batteries um mm -hmm. so for for small planes for short distances uh, i do believe that that e-fuels or that sorry not e-fuels that electricity can be a good option and there's a lot of technology being developed um but for for long distance flights um there there's not really a solution yet um, and I think that sustainable aviation fuels are, are a very good solution that can be implemented fairly quickly because you don't need any new infrastructure. You can keep using the whole existing infrastructure. That's not just the planes, but also the fuel stations at the airports and the refineries and the whole distribution system that we've built up um, over decades um, for fossil fuels that we can keep using this infrastructure and the problem that we have is is not um, the type of engines we use but it's it's what you put into this engine and if you can just replace um, the polluting fossil fuels with clean synthetic fuels and in my way that's a very quick and well not very quick but it's <laughs> it's definitely quicker than uh developing a whole a whole new infrastructure for mm -hmm. for um Indeed. for fuels and and for planes yeah we we were talking about this how how to use existing technologies and infrastructure the other day with a, another guest in the podcast that they do software to help airlines to save fuel and fly more efficiently with their existing technology mm -hmm. so that's often an overlooked uh, area of this green aviation push because obviously there are the moonshots and well yours is a moonshot in a way because you are developing a, a really novel technology but but on the other side on the side of distribution you can count on, on what's already there so that that i think makes it very interesting as well well carmen um it's been great learning about the technology you are developing at Synhelion is uh, definitely a, a project that I'm sure we will hear a lot more about in, in the coming years as you move along the way to develop all these plans and to test and deploy this technology. Thank you so much for being today in the podcast. Hopefully, we'll be able to, to speak in uh, some other occasion when you have reached all these new milestones and see how the whole project is going. Yes, thank you very much. It was uh, a pleasure to to speak to you and i'm i'm really hopeful that 
with all the technologies that, that are being developed at the moment, not just ours, but uh, there's so much innovation in the market. And I'm, I'm really hopeful that we can reach net zero with, with all of these technologies. Thank you so much. Before you go, and if you like this podcast, a quick reminder that it would be absolutely great if you could please give it a rating on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you are using, or recommend it to a friend or whomever might be interested. Thank you very much and see you soon.